Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome back to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. I'm Mark Daly, I'm your host, and guys, it is weekend, and that means, uh, fortunately, this weekend there's a Grand Prix on, and as has become a bit of a thing the last couple of weeks whenever I record a show, we are now 4 hours, 23 minutes, and 40 seconds away from FP1 at the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone. Uh, which I guess is basically British Grand Prix Part 2. Hopefully not. Uh, hope for a little bit more action this weekend. But we'll talk about all that and everything else going in uh, and around the Formula 1 paddock this week. Lots of going on. And before we get into it, let's just um, just we'll kind of ease into it slightly uh, before we take off. Anyways, let's just go over the, the, the Drivers' Championship Top 5 uh, drivers thus far after four rounds. Lewis Hamilton, Mercedes leading the pack with 88 points, 30 points. Points ahead of his teammate Valtteri Bottas with a shiny new contract at Mercedes, who has 58 points. Max Verstappen with Red Bull Racing, 52 points. Lando Norris, good to see Lando up there in the top five, currently 36 points for McLaren Renault. And Charles Leclerc, the Ferrari driver, rounds out the top five with 33 points. And then over on the constructor standings, it is Mercedes and nine other teams. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I was going to say, perhaps if you add up the... Uh, the, uh, the, the points and the constructors of all the other teams, maybe it would equal the points that Mercedes have racked up in the first month of the season, but it's not really that bad just yet. Anyways, uh, joking aside, Mercedes leading the way this uh, so far, 146 points. Red Bull st- second in the constructors with 78. Uh, McLaren 51. Ferrari with 43. Only a point ahead of Racing Point with 42. And there we go. Anyways, as I said uh, just now, Valtteri Bottas... Uh, Finally has a new deal in hand with uh, Mercedes. And, uh, well, it's for 2021. And he said it was, quote, pretty easy and smooth. uh, And uh, said it didn't uh, cause too much of a distraction uh, with the season uh, as it's been going so far. And really kind of derail his attempt to to win the the World Championship. Obviously a, a long way to go. And, well, as it is, he's it's kind of just one season at a time so he's going to be there for what's going to be his fifth year at uh, Mercedes and as it's been with the other previous four years it's just a one-year deal anyways um, uh, Bottas did talk about it uh, not so long ago where there was some speculation after it was announced that uh, Sebastian Vettel uh, would not be going back uh, to Ferrari next year and Toto Wolf said that uh, he would definitely be an option to consider that uh, Valtteri well I mean he's not really all that uh, outspoken he's a little bit uh, quiet not really all all that uh, that talkative but uh, he did say just uh, a couple or several weeks ago that uh, a new deal with the Silver Arrows was pretty much uh, wrapped up. And, uh, well, here we have the the the, the, uh, the, the confirmation. Anyways, uh, Bottas had to say, quote, I think everything went pretty smooth this time. Obviously, it's a special circumstances and agreed before we knew how the season was going to be. 
that we would hopefully get something by, let's say, June. But of course, we didn't even race before June. We just said, let's wait and see. Let's focus on the first few races and eventually speak. Then it became pretty naturally. It was not that tricky. We could agree things pretty easy and smoothly. There was no outside distraction either. It was good. Definitely didn't hurt my performance at any of the few races. It was not on my mind. And that's how it should be done, end quote. So, well, uh, whether or not uh, it would have impacted his uh, championship, uh, that uh, definitely... Oh, well, I mean, he had a, a very good start to the season, uh, winning the first race of the year, and then it's been uh, all Lewis Hamilton uh, ever since. And uh, there certainly is a, a long way to go, but uh, Bottas has stumbled in the fast, uh, past uh, few races and didn't have a, a great uh, qualifying. Uh, sorry, he had a good qualifying in, uh, in Hungary, just a bad start to the race, uh, which, uh, you know, he should have had some more points there, and uh, he probably had a good shot to win that one. And then last week, what with all the mayhem we saw with the punctures going on at the end of the British Grand Prix there, dropped him from second to out of the points uh, just behind uh, Sebastian Vettel, who came home in P10. So obviously, worst case uh, scenario, because, I mean, now he's uh, dropped uh, 30 points uh, behind his teammate and that is a lot of distance between yourself and a guy like Lewis Hamilton because Lewis does not drop very many points and we have not seen too many circumstances over the years when reliability or even an accident or something like that has forced Lewis out of the race so I mean if you're going to beat Lewis Hamilton you have to be pretty near perfect over the course of an entire season because Lewis Hamilton often is perfect over the entire year and I don't want to say that the championship is over it's far too early into the season uh, to, to really say that because I mean we got some races coming up in uh, you know into the end of September into October uh, we're going to talk about it later on because Sebastian Vettel had a couple of things to say about racing at the Nürburgring in uh, in, in Germany in the fall and uh, that could be uh, proved to be very interesting and, and I think that's going to be um, you know fun to watch I mean uh, you know you get to some of these uh, tracks where you know you're maybe not going to be there at, at the best time of year and it's it, it could prove to be uh, be interesting i mean the weather could really be a factor so the thing is, um, the races we've had so far in the season through the first month of the year, Red Bull Ring, Hungaro Ring, Silverstone, pretty much the time of year we usually see these races anyways. Uh, we, we've got uh, Spanish Grand Prix coming up uh, shortly. Obviously, we usually see uh, Formula One go to Barcelona middle of May, so that's a bit of an unusual time uh, to see that. But um, the Belgian Grand Prix and Italian Grand Prix of Monza, pretty much in the traditional time slot uh, where it's been over the past uh, several years. And, uh, well, Bottas, I think what the, the, the point I'm trying to make is he might need some sort of help if he's wanting to beat uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, and close the gap. Certainly, he's going to have to maximize his points haul over the, the next uh, couple of races. He can't afford to have too many more races where he drops uh, points uh, you know, unnecessarily or maybe not unnecessarily because I don't think it was completely his fault. I mean, uh, it was unfortunate this, uh, the start that he had in, uh, in Hungary and then, uh, I mean, tire punch completely under you know out of his control and I mean even Lewis wasn't uh, immune to that fortunately for him it happened uh, right at the, the the very end of the race so he was able to to, uh, to to crawl home but had that happened maybe even a quarter of a lap earlier then 
he could have been toast. He could have been easily gobbled up, and uh, that could have been Max Verstappen's uh, win. I mean, uh, he uh, he went into that final lap. Max was something like 30 uh, seconds behind, and by the time uh, Lewis crawled over the finish line there to win the race on three wheels, uh, you know, it was only down to, I think it was 5.8 uh, seconds. Anyways, uh, it's kind of a digressing there a little bit, uh, but uh, still, there was a lot to unpack in that race uh, last week, and a very dramatic couple of uh, last couple of laps. Anyways, um, uh, Valtteri Bottas signing another uh, contract with Mercedes for 2021. Anyways, Murray Walker, legendary Formula One commentator who a lot of us who are of a certain age like myself who do not want to divulge at it but can hint at it uh, fairly good by dating yourself uh, saying that uh, Murray Walker was the Formula One commentator that you maybe grew up with. Uh, enough said there. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Murray is legendary uh, when it comes to, to Formula One. He says that um, he's better both than Ayrton Senna, and Murray is talking about Lewis, uh, not that he, Murray Walker, is better than Ayrton Senna or Michael Schumacher, but uh, he does say that uh, that Lewis is better than both of those uh, two drivers thanks to what he calls his fairness and his driving clean as a whistle. Anyways, um, Lewis, when he won at uh, Silverstone last weekend, that was his 87th, can you believe it, 87th career win in Formula One. And so he's only one title behind uh, uh, Michael Schumacher, who has seven. Lewis, of course, uh, won his sixth world championship uh, last year. And uh, he's certainly off to a very, very good uh, uh, start uh, this year. Anyways, uh, Murray had to say in an interview with the in the Fastlane podcast uh, this weekend, he said, uh, quote, Fangio took a lot of beating, as did Jim Clarks or Jackie Stewart. I could go on, but uh, which is the best? I don't really know. I used to say Fangio. I think I'm going to have to say very shortly Lewis Hamilton. If you look in terms of statistics, he's already got more polls than Michael Schumacher. He's got at least three years in him if he doesn't hurt himself or leave Mercedes for some reason or they decide to stop. In which case, he's got at least another three championships ahead of him, so statistically, he will become the greatest. But also, in my opinion, and this is very contentious indeed, better than either Schumacher or Senna because both of them, Schumacher and Senna, adopted at various times in their career highly debatable driving tactics, like Schumacher stopping deliberately a Monaco, trying to prevent uh, Fernando Alonso getting pole position, like Schumacher uh, colliding with uh, Villeneuve Jerez in 1997, like Senna did with Alain Prost in 1990 in Japan. Lewis Hamilton has never been anything like that. He's always driven clean as a whistle. He's an extremely nice, uh, gigantically talented driver, and I don't think we've ever seen anyone like him before, end quote. Very interesting take. Um, certainly, I'm old enough uh, to remember, uh, well, I was, a, uh, you know, obviously I remember Michael Schumacher. That was kind of, uh, uh, you know, he was the big driver back in the day at that uh, that point, obviously. And I'm old enough to uh, remember that uh, race uh, between uh, Senna and Prost at uh, Suzuki. Zuka way back in 1990, and certainly uh, they did have the, their questionable moments. But uh, Lewis, and you know, I don't know why Murray says that's contentious. Maybe contentious from the point of view that uh, he's saying he's the, the the best driver ever. You know, I mean, statistically, yes. I mean, he's definitely the best driver of this, uh, you know, the, this generation without a doubt. Uh, when it comes to comparing him to the the, the greats of all times. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, that, that conversation has to be uh, be had, and I'm only a little bit hesitant talking about that and making that comparison at the moment because he's still an active uh, driver. And I don't think that, well, I mean, if he goes on for another 10 years and has 10 really bad years, that would obviously hurt his legacy somewhat, but uh, this, you know, that's not really going to happen. I mean, Lewis uh, said uh, just a, a week or so ago, he believes he's got another three years in the sport. And very much like uh, Maria Walker was saying is, unless... Um, something happens to Lewis, he gets hurt, or Mercedes decide to stop or something like that, then obviously that would uh, really put a, a real damper on his uh, career and maybe what he could uh, could achieve. I mean, if uh, Mercedes decide to pull out of Formula One, then I'm sure that uh, there wouldn't be any uh, you know shortage of teams uh, lining up uh, to uh, to sign Lewis Hamilton. But the big question would be, of course, at that point, would he want to continue with another team, especially if it... Uh, depending what seats are available. I mean, this is uh, highly speculative and hypothetical. But I mean, the, the thing is, uh, Mercedes, uh, they've said all the right things. You know, the Total Wolf is uh, still there. And they, they've, I, I think that we can expect to see them in Formula One for a while yet. I mean, uh, that, I mean, I guess ultimately it comes down at the boardroom level and whether or not uh, financially it makes uh, sense uh, for them to stay in Formula One. But at least from a competitive uh, point of view, they go out there, they win a lot of races, and they still look like a, a bunch of people that really enjoy going uh, out to, to race in Formula One and enjoy winning. And uh, at least from, uh, from, from the outside, from our perspective, it, it, it looks like a pretty good place uh, to be. And of course, until something dramatically different happens otherwise, then another team steps up and is able to take over that position at the top of uh, Formula One and and snatch it away from uh, Mercedes, who have been absolutely dominant since 2014. Absolutely, there's no question about that. I mean, they've dominated the sport for getting pretty close to a decade now. Well, not quite, and still a couple years to go there. So maybe a little bit uh, too dramatic of a comparison, but still, I mean, they have been the team to beat since 2014. And not just by a little bit. I mean, they've been dominant uh, by a mile in in many cases. I mean, Ferrari have had their moments. Let's let let's be fair over the past couple of years, but they've been in slow decline ever since the end of uh, 2018, towards the end of that season. And that's a real shame for uh, Sebastian Vettel and uh, Ferrari because uh, obviously that was going to be his one big opportunity to to win that one. But the thing is, I mean, if they keep winning the way that they are, and Lewis keeps driving the way that uh, that that he has been, I mean, he's had a couple hiccups uh, this, this year. He's had some moments uh, that, that haven't been uh, the, the greatest. I mean, he spun in qualifying this past weekend. He had some incidents in Austria. But I mean, the thing is with Lewis, whenever something uh, goes against him that, uh, that uh, you know, regardless if it's, uh, you know, his faults or, you know, the car lets him down or whatever... He is able to take that disappointment and he able, he's able to focus up and just get it done. The, the, the mental focus and the strength that he has is absolutely in, in, incredible. And I mean, he's still able to deliver those, these extremely eye-wateringly fast times in the car. He's just, it, it is impressive. I mean, there, there is no doubt about it. And if he's um, going to stay in Formula One for another three years, uh, and uh, you know, obviously we have to expect that, uh, you know, that's going to be with them. Mercedes. I mean, he's out of contract at the end of the the year, but you just have to assume that's going to get uh, taken care of at, uh, at at some point. 
and I don't think that there's any real rush for them to to get it done. And I mean, Lewis has pretty much hinted that uh, himself, but still, you you have to think that uh, that deal is going to get done. And if he stays with the team, why would he not have a legitimate shot to win the championship, not just this year, but next year and for however many years he decides to stay in Formula One with Mercedes. Anyways, time for a break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So Pirelli, yes. Well, they've uh, really been in um, been in in the news for the wrong reasons. Let's uh, put it that way. After all the issues that uh, that we saw at the British uh, Grand Prix uh, last weekend, there's uh, there, there were a whole load of uh, punctures. We saw it with uh, both the the Mercedes cars and the the last couple of laps, uh, laps of the race. Pardon me. Uh, we saw it uh, with uh, with uh, Carlos Sainz as well. Uh, unfortunate for him because he was running quite well in the McLaren. Danny Kvyat had a big moment uh, when he went uh, when he crashed. Uh, Fairly early in the race, just on a, I think it was about lap 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there, he had uh, a really high speed uh, crash going into Maggot's uh, corner. Uh, he was unable to do anything. Uh, he was just a passenger at that point, uh, crashed heavily into the, bar- uh, the the barriers just outside of uh, Beckett's. And uh, he said that he didn't believe at the time that uh, it was a problem or a puncture or anything to do with the tire that uh, that caused his accident. The uh, the, the the footage that was on uh, taken on board, uh, the, the car showed uh, late that the tire had actually failed before he went off the uh, the, the the circuit and crashed. Anyways, um, uh, Pirelli was uh, saying that uh, that they believed that there was a problem with the wheel rim that caused the the, the uh, tire bead uh, failure. Uh, they said on uh, social media, "quote A mechanical issue led to the inside of the wheel rim overheating, burning the bead of the tire. So the bead was no longer able to seal the tire onto the rim. This caused the deflation with uh, the tire itself playing no part in the cause." End quote. Anyways, uh, Kvyat. Uh, actually said that he blamed himself uh, for what had happened uh, because uh, at the moment uh, the, the tire failed he said that uh, he'd been looking at um, the, the the readout the little screen that he has on his uh, steering wheel so i mean that that is a fair uh, you know uh, you know assessment or or take to, to have if you're Danny Kvyat and i mean you could uh, you know be doing something legit and uh, looking for some piece of information on your steering wheel and get uh, you know i mean a, a, an inch is as good as mile in in formula 1 uh, you know go back to last year when uh, Valtteri Bottas uh, crashed in the in, in the rain at uh, at Hockenheim and uh, you know just going into turn one there he said that uh, he got onto the wet part of the circuit and he said well you know it was probably only a matter of centimeters or millimeters something to that effect uh, but it was just enough 
uh, for him to, uh, to to lose the grip. So, I mean, that could have been uh, very much uh, the, the same thing uh, in Danny Kvyat's mind. He's looking down at the readout, some of the data on his steering wheel, gets slightly off uh, line, puts it onto the curb or whatever, and uh, then uh, puts it into the uh, to the gravel. Anyways, uh, Kvyat himself had to say, quote, looking back at it, there was nothing really for me to do to avoid the crash, but I had the problem on my gearbox and I was doing a lot of switch changes at that moment. I was looking on the screen when the tire gave up and I, so I didn't really understand what happened. It was such a weird and confusing incident and it never happened before in my career, you know, that the tire would give up in such a high-speed corner so I didn't know. The first thing I thought was maybe there was some kind of curb or grass that I didn't know about, but of course looking back at it, there was absolutely nothing I could have done, end quote. Very interesting. So um, one of the, uh, the the things that have happened as a result of that uh, uh, accident uh, that Kvyat had, and it was a heavy one. I mean, let's uh, let's be uh, you know, clear on that. I mean, uh, I was a little bit worried when I saw that uh, he'd gone off there and uh, the impact that uh, that he had into the tire wall. But uh, anyways, uh, the FAA has uh, actually installed a new tire uh, wall at uh, the, the corner just in case there are any problems uh, again at uh, Silverstone uh, the, this weekend. Um, so just uh, now talking about uh, the, the, the high um, the, the high profile guys that had the issue uh, with the punctures and that uh, obviously is uh, the Mercedes drivers of uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, Valtteri Bottas and Mercedes insist uh, that their dual access steering um, uh, tool uh, system uh, didn't actually have uh, any function or role to play in the punctures that they had by both of their cars at almost the identical uh, same time. I mean, it's kind of uh, very, very interesting that uh, both of those tires uh, should have, uh, you know, gone on those cars within a, when a, uh, within a lap of each other. It's very similar. I mean, it's a completely different uh, part of the car, but it kind of reminded me of uh, Bahrain 2019 when we saw both of the Renaults of Nico Hulkenberg and Danny Ricciardo expired almost exactly the same moment. I mean, it was good for Charles Leclerc because uh, that meant the safety car came out and uh, without it, uh, his race would have been ruined uh, because he was, you know, had that uh, problem with his own car was yeah, I, I actually able to sneak home and still get a podium out of all that. Anyways, uh, that aside, so it is interesting that uh, there there was something that uh, that that was brought up because uh, the you know the, the DAS uh, you know it does this uh, this whole thing where they can ch- change the toe in and toe out on the car. So you could see why maybe changing that could uh, put extra wear on the tires and uh, could actually uh, you know uh, and uh, extra wear, especially if you're going for longer stints, could could lead to problems uh, like that. Um, anyways. Uh, they actually had a, an investigation uh, into that, and uh, they've actually uh, ruled it out. So it's uh, it's very uh, interesting. And uh, their strategy uh, director at uh, Mercedes, uh, James Vole, said, "Quote: A lot of questions this year, but also specifically for this race, we were around DAS and whether that contributed to the failure or not. I think uh, categorically, categorically say the answer is no. There are a few reasons behind that. First of all, it wasn't used at any time towards that uh, the, the element of the failure. In fact, it was used really towards." the early stage of the race and that's it next Carlos Sainz also experienced a failure and clearly they are not using a DAS system on their car and a number of other competitors complained of the vibration that Valtteri was uh, this uh, wasn't contained to us uh, but clearly we were on the worst side of the problem end quote yeah well I mean it, it was interesting that uh, that so many different cars uh, and so many guys were complaining about that it wasn't just uh, Valtteri Bottas I believe even Max Verstappen were, uh, was complaining about it uh, at, uh, at one point as well and and uh, it, uh, it it certainly was uh, 
it, it added an element of excitement in a race that really was kind of a devoid of uh, any real action uh, overtaking. And the thing is, uh, Silverstone, the British Grand Prix over the past couple of years has, has been pretty good. Uh, and uh, so I'd been looking forward to, to, to this one this week and uh, it was um, it didn't quite uh, live up to maybe the, the expectations or some of the hype that I'd built up uh, in my own mind. And I don't really know what to expect uh, that this weekend. Just uh, sticking on that uh, theme, uh, we we saw that uh, the the first race of the year at the Red Bull Ring, that was uh, pretty exciting. But of course, I think a lot of that uh, was just uh, caused by the mayhem of the what was it the the eight or nine cars that uh, that had mechanical issues, and especially towards the end of the the the, the race. I mean, we rarely see any cars. Uh, well, I mean, we always maybe see one or two cars per race drop out uh, due to mechanical. Uh, 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 reasons, but uh, we just don't see it uh, to that uh, amount. And of course, that uh, was certainly due to um, you know I, I think the enforced uh, layoff and all the all the things that have been going out outside of Formula One and uh, and COVID and uh, just the shutdown in, in general. So that uh, that added a bit of um, you know mayhem and uh, unpredictability to the, uh, the the proceedings that day. But you go the you know a week later and the Styrian Grand Prix, despite uh, maybe the weather going to throw in a, a bit of a wrench into the works, which it did uh, in in practice, uh, or sorry, in qualifying. But uh, during the race, the second one was uh, not nearly as exciting as uh, as as the first race. Anyways, we'll wait and see whether or not uh, that has anything to do with the uh, 70th anniversary Grand Prix uh, this weekend. Uh, but uh, if, if there is any mayhem, I certainly hope it's not for something uh, like tire punctures and things like that. Because I mean that 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 Kvyat crash that could have been uh, really nasty. I mean Lewis and uh, and and science and uh, and Bottas, those guys. I mean, they they were lucky uh, in that regard that uh, they didn't have a big off on the track, and uh, it did make uh, for an exciting final lap. Uh, watching uh, Lewis uh, struggle around on that, uh, you know, that uh, <laughs> completely ruined tire. I'm looking at a picture right now that uh, that left uh, front tire of Lewis Hamilton's, and that uh, was uh, something else. Anyway, so uh, just uh, staying with that, uh, Pirelli says uh, that the, the the cause of the uh, tire failures and the punctures and uh, the the blowouts and everything. That that we saw at the, at the end of the race at uh, the British Grand Prix last week uh, was due to these guys uh, uh, running really, really long stints uh, beyond uh, what was the uh, you know predicted tire life of uh, the, the the hard compound tires that uh, that everybody was uh, was on at the time. So, uh, like I said, we saw that uh, in the last couple of rap, uh, laps uh, on both Mercedes and Carlos Sainz and the McLaren. Anyways, uh, uh, Pirelli did uh, go on and have uh, an investigation uh, afterwards. Uh, of course, uh, the, the uh, we already discussed uh, what happened with uh, Danny Kvyat. Anyways, uh, they they said in a statement, "quote uh, The key reason is down to a set of individual race circumstances that led to an extremely long use of the second set of tires. The second uh, safety car period prompted nearly all the teams to anticipate their planned pit stop and carry out a particularly long final stint around 40 laps, which is more than three uh, quarters of the total race length and one of the most uh, demanding tracks of the calendar, uh, combined with the notably increased pace." of the 2020 Formula One cars. Uh, this made the final laps of the British Grand Prix especially tough as a consequence of the biggest forces ever seen on the tires generated by the fastest Formula One cars in history. The overall result was the most challenging operating conditions for the tires. These led to the front left tire, which is well known for working hardest at Silverstone, being placed under maximum stress after a very high number of laps with the resulting high wear, meaning that it was less protected from the extreme forces in play, end quote. So yeah, that is... uh, 
interesting. And I seem to remember something else. What, what was a couple of years ago now at uh, at Spas? I, I, I remember, uh, what was it, Sebastian Vettel uh, ran on a, on a very, very long stint and had a tire blowout right in the last uh, couple of laps of the race. I don't think he was challenging for the lead. And I'm, I'm wanting to say 2016. And I, I didn't get a chance to go and look this up uh, before I sat down and uh, recording, but um, I, I do remember at the time that uh, that after the uh, you know that that incident uh, that it was basically that the, the same conclusion uh, was was reached that uh, they, they pushed it too long on a stint, thinking they could get to the end of the race and and, and manage those tires. But uh, still, even though uh, you know Sebastian did the best uh, that he could not to, to wear out the rubber, they they pushed it beyond the limits and the expected uh, lifespan of the tire and. Uh, after it, uh, the the tire blew, and he was lucky it didn't go in. You know, like in uh, going up uh, through a rouge or somewhere like that. Um, I mean, he was on uh, the the straightaway just up the, the the top there, and it could have been extremely uh, uh, nasty, of course. But uh, interesting that uh, Pirelli did. Um, you know, they've they've come out and said that, and the, the teams haven't uh, disputed it. But it, it did seem at the time like uh, due to the uh, you know some of the safety cars and the way that uh, you know the you know the teams uh, do uh, you know change up uh, strategies. Under those uh, circumstances, that um, I, I seem to remember the time when the cars were coming out of the pits and looking at them, and the the tire choices that they had, that that uh, that they made to go on the hard compound tires. Yeah, sure. I mean, at that point in the race, absolutely made sense uh, that they would do so, even though it uh, it seemed like a bit of a a stretch. I remember like watching and thinking, oh gosh, you know, we got uh, 30, 40 laps to go in this one. That uh, you know, it, it seemed that. Um, I don't want to say wishful thinking, but it certainly seemed very ambitious at that point of the race that uh, that they could push those tires 30, 40 laps and uh, and not have to uh, to pit again. And uh, obviously, a couple of guys really paid the price for that. Obviously, a different issue for science. Uh, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas compared to uh, to, uh, to to Danny Kvyat, uh, his problem was uh, completely different with that overheating tire rim, and then uh, just the, uh, the the tire beat as well. So, but I mean, the point is, uh, e- you know, even when I saw them come out of the pits, uh, that I was surprised that uh, they thought they could actually get to, to the end. But you know, I gave uh, a bit of a benefit to, to the doubt to the people that are actually in the pits, having access obviously to data and information uh, you know, that that we don't have at home. I mean, we're we're not. Uh, engineers were not sitting in there making the decisions uh, based on the information they had. I was honestly to you know to you know to, to say it is I was expecting the, some of these guys to go in towards uh, the end of the race there for another pit stop, but um, I was sort of keeping an open mind about it that uh, maybe there's a fifty-fifty chance that uh, they come in for tires and maybe they don't. And uh, ultimately, that uh, decision uh, was costly for for a lot of people. And uh, like I say, uh, you know, a little bit earlier uh, for for Lewis Hamilton, that uh, if that happened a quarter lap earlier, that could have had a, a very different outcome on the uh, the, the final race uh, classification. Anyways, uh, Pirelli uh, Formula One uh, uh, boss Mario Asola has uh, talked about the uh, the softer compound t- tires, uh, and they're not going to be at risk uh, this weekend at the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone, and just uh, just more uh, coming up uh, or just uh, fallout uh, from what happened uh, last weekend. Anyways, Asola had to say, "quote The investigation says that the cause of the initial loss of pressure and the deflation was the level of stress on the tire on the construction of the tire, and for that reason, the action we are taking uh, for the next race is." 
to increase the pressure because obviously it is the pressure that is helping the construction. And we keep the same compounds C2, C3, and C4 that have already been decided a few weeks ago. The tread compound is not affected in any way uh, what happened on the tires. I don't want to use the, the words perfect storm because I don't like it, but in fact that the safety car was out on lap 12. Obviously it was pushing everybody to change on lap 12. In a normal situation, a normal strategy was to change uh, for the cars that were targeting a one-stop tra- uh, strategy at about lap 18 to 20. Consider also when you follow a safety car and the pressure is going down, and then obviously at the restart of the safety car, there is a period in which the pressure grows. At the restart of the safety car, you have a very quick corner with a lot of energy that is going into the the, the tire. We usually consider in our estimation when we give the prescriptions, we consider all of that. And it was confirmed from the telemetry data that the level of energy was very, very high. So the safety car plus the long stint plus the fact that the construction with uh, less tread is less uh, protected caused an initial loss of pressure, and the loss of pressure leads to a deflation. If you look at the tires they had on both sides while still in place at the right position and the tread ring was broken, then that is a typical situation when you run the tire flat, end quote. So there you go. It seems uh, despite after everything that uh, that, that had happened uh, last weekend, that uh, Pirelli has uh, figured it out and uh, that's what it uh, came down to. One thing, overheating tire rim and tire bead issue for Danny Kvyat, completely different from uh, the other drive, uh, drivers that had punctures at the end of the race who just ran for too long on the tires that just uh, weren't going to last that long uh, that they wanted. Anyways, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And just to, to finish off that um, the theme we were talking about over the last uh, number of minutes uh, before the break, uh, Silverstone is actually installing a new curb to help uh, limit uh, tire damage for the 70th Grand Prix race uh, this weekend. And they're going to put that in at uh, the exit of Beckett's. Uh, and uh, the, this is uh, over fears of the, the, the damage that that corner was actually causing to the tires. And uh, anyways, uh, then, well, we'll see whether or not that makes uh, you know a different or uh, difference or not but uh it was, certainly was very very unusual to see the the, the problems uh like that that we saw there anyways uh, there was uh, you know a Renault driver Esteban Alcon was talking about uh, that the fact that there was not enough curb exiting Beckett uh, meant that it was actually easier for these uh, guys to uh, run a little wide and uh, put a wheel onto the grass and we saw that uh, quite a few times uh, you see a bit of dirt uh, and stuff getting uh, spat up into the air after they ran a little wide anyways uh, Alcon had to say quote we have seen a lot of cuts and stuff that we don't normally see in practice it is true silverstone is probably the the toughest circuit for tires with the high speed and curbs there's a new thing as well out of turn 13 there's no new curb anymore which there was uh, before so now you run in the dirt and then you go onto the curb and that could also damage the tires i don't know if it came from the carbon debris or just the track being very hard with the tires or the new cars running wider than uh, i was used to in 2018 but we've seen more damage and more cut to the tires than we've ever seen end quote all right, uh, just uh, looking ahead uh, to the, uh, the the race this weekend, Mercedes is going to have a tribute uh, to Sir Sterling uh, Moss, who uh, passed away at the age of uh, 90 just uh, earlier this uh, spring. Uh, 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 Sterling Moss, the closest he ever came to winning the Formula One uh, World Championship was a runner-up in uh, 1955, and uh, that was when he was uh, driving for Mercedes, and uh, he uh, scored a victory that, uh, that year at uh, the British Grand Prix at uh, Aintree and he had a uh, pole position for that race and uh, anyways he did go on to uh, finish second in the world championship uh, three more times during his career but could never 
quite uh, do it. And obviously, Sterling is one of the legends in uh, Formula One, even though he was never um, uh, a world championship. Maybe there's a good argument uh, to be made uh, that uh, Sterling was the the greatest driver never to win the world championship. And I think that uh, certainly uh, has a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of merit uh, to it. Anyways, uh, they are going to put uh, Moss's uh, horseshoe logo that is going to be uh, placed on uh, both uh, Lewis Hamilton's car and Valtteri Bottas's uh, car for the uh, the, the, the race this weekend. So uh, very, very cool to see. So going back to last week, uh, one of the things that was uh, kind of cool and then uh, obviously very disappointing that uh, didn't happen was, um, well, obviously it wasn't cool that uh, Sergio Perez had to miss the, the, the race after a uh, uh, testing positive uh, for COVID nineteen, but uh, anyways, they managed to get uh, Nico Hulkenberg into uh, into the car, get him uh, <laughs> all ready to go, and uh, was uh, not able to actually start the race. Uh, although uh, he probably, uh, I mean, he did a fantastic job coming in at uh, at very short notice, and just uh, it was extremely disappointing that, uh, not to see uh, Nico Hulkenberg actually partake in the Grand Prix. Uh, he didn't even make the start of the race. Anyways, he's actually uh, said that he's in talk with some of the the, the F1 teams about a possible full time return to the series uh, for 2021. He spent the last three years uh, at uh, at Renault, and then uh, he was uh, out of a, a contract, and then uh, his seat was taken uh, this year by. Uh, Esteban Ocon. And uh, so, I mean, he hasn't really been out of F1 uh, for that long. Going back to, uh, well, I mean, he never drove for, for Racing Point, but uh, he spent uh, several seasons there in the the, the predecessor, which was uh, Force India. And uh, you know, the, the team was nothing, they, they were nothing full of uh, or short of uh, uh, praise for uh, Nico for the, the job that he came in uh, to do at very short notice. And uh, I think it, uh, you know, it, uh, they did say that it helped uh, that, uh, you know, he'd been driving, uh, you know, for, for, for um, Force India, even though that was a number of years ago that, you know, there's still a number of uh, the same people in the team and a lot of the things that they were doing a couple of years ago when he was a Force India driver is still the same, even though they've evolved and changed a little bit. But uh, he certainly did uh, a good job. So, um, anyways, he is still on standby for for Racing Point uh, this weekend. Um, Sergio Perez has uh, officially ended his uh, quarantine uh, period, but uh, he still needs to pass a negative uh, COVID nineteen test uh, before he's allowed to uh, get back into the uh, into the paddock and uh, partake a- again. Anyways, uh, Hulkenberg uh, said that uh, there's nothing uh, been uh, sorted out uh, regarding his uh, future in Formula One, but uh, he says uh, there could be some more news within the next uh, two weeks. Uh, Nico had to say, quote, I've been in contact with quite a few people from the F1 industry and team principals uh, because obviously we all uh, know each other. Uh, so just some casual chat. Uh, some is more about uh, the, the future subject. So it's definitely in discussions and talks there. But nothing to say concrete yet there. I guess it's still a matter of a couple of weeks before things will get a bit more concrete and firm. If not F1, to be honest, uh, that is not clear in my mind yet either. I think I'll take one step at a time and see how things roll and which way they're going to go in a couple of weeks' time, end quote. Uh, yeah, so that'd be uh, kind of cool um, to, to see. And, and you know, if he does get back in the car uh, this weekend, it, it would be <laughs> obviously uh, much better to see him actually get into the race rather than, than uh, you know, suffer another mechanical problem and uh, and miss out. Because that must be so frustrating to, you know, to come in, do the job that you do, qualify. I know he didn't make it into Q3. I think what he qualified was 11th, 12th, something like that. And I mean, not bad for a guy that uh, that hasn't raced uh, since, since last year. 
and uh, was maybe a, a step behind uh, you know the other guys uh, in the paddock. But uh, who knows? Anyways, uh, so uh, Sergio Perez, like I said, uh, he's completed his 10-day quarantine after uh, testing positive for, for COVID uh, 10 days ago. And uh, well, I mean, he still has to pass a uh, or uh, provide a negative uh, uh, result in a COVID uh, test. And uh, so they're just, uh, he is eligible to, to, to race this weekend, but, you know, he's, he's got to clear, uh, you know, everything, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to the, the, the testing point, uh, or sorry, yeah, from the testing point of view before he can actually uh, uh, partake. So who knows, maybe by the time this show is out and we've had uh, practice uh, out of the way, uh, we'll know more on the status of uh, Sergio uh, uh, Perez. So anyways, uh, a statement from uh, Racing Point said, quote, uh, Public Health England have confirmed that Sergio Perez's period of quarantine has been completed in line with the FIA code of conduct. Sergio requires a verified negative uh, test result for COVID-19 before he can enter the paddock. The testing process is taking place today. The team expects to make a decision on who is driving alongside Lance later today or first thing tomorrow morning, end quote. So, oh, here we go. I've got it right here in the in my notes. Uh, so Hulkenberg qualified 13th. So like I say, not bad for a guy that uh, that hadn't been in a Formula One car, uh, you know, this year, but, you know, literally jumped, you know, got to the track, jumped into some overalls that fit and uh, went out and uh, and and basically qualified uh, 13, I think, uh, very, very well. But uh, so uh, Perez is the only test positive uh, case of uh, COVID-19 in uh, the, the latest round of uh, Formula One's uh, testing, which uh, has had almost 4,000 thousand tests in the, the the week of 24th to the 30th of July and he did travel to Mexico between uh, the Hungarian and British Grand Prix to visit his mother who was in the hospital but uh, he did say that he um, uh, stayed within and followed all the guidelines and the protocols uh, regarding uh, COVID and staying safe that have been set out by the uh, FIA and uh, they said that um, also that uh, the, the two other people that traveled with uh, Checo who uh, to, to Mexico um also, um, uh, they did take a COVID test, obviously, uh, you know, uh, being such in close uh, proximity to, to, to Checo, uh, they, they, they didn't uh, test positive there. Their test came back negative, but they decided to uh, isolate uh, just because uh, Sergio had uh, tested uh, positive uh, himself. So anyways, uh, good to know that, uh, that uh, he's well, that uh, his illness uh, did not uh, or didn't actually progress, uh, you know, to, to any uh, degree. He actually didn't get sick. So that is uh, good news. So we'll, we'll wait and see and uh, that that is one of the downsides uh, to being a, a, a podcaster i guess you know it even happened on the you know live radio as well that there's nothing more frustrating i can tell you that uh, you go out you produce a show you get it out there everybody listens to it and then you come back a couple of hours later you wake up in the morning and something uh, big happens <laughs> you know that you've been following and uh, you, you wanted to, to to get onto your show but uh, anyways uh, if it comes back that uh, he's cleared to race and that's uh, definitely a, a good thing so uh, Paul DeResta is uh, on uh, standby uh, to maybe uh, be there for McLaren at uh, uh, after having a seat fitting for the team uh, on Wednesday this week. He's uh, entered into agreement uh, with uh, Merce- uh, Mercedes to help share their reserve drivers, who include Stoffel, uh, Stoffel Van Dorn, pardon me, and Esteban Gutierrez. Should either uh, Lando Norris uh, or Carlos Sainz uh, be ruled out of the race uh, this weekend, uh, Stoffel is in uh, Berlin for the Formula E 
season finales, uh, sorry, season finale, and uh, Gutierrez, who is uh, actually ineligible to race, um, even though, um, uh, you know, he does have a, a super license. I mean, it's been a while since he's raced in Formula One. Was that 2016, 2017? So it's, it's been a little bit. Anyways, uh, McLaren said, uh, quote, as we have previously confirmed, we have an arrangement with Mercedes to use their reserve drivers in the event that either Carlos or Lando are unable to, uh, uh, unable to race. With Stoffel Van Dorn unavailable due to his Formula E commitments and Esteban Gutierrez currently not uh, eligible for super license, Paul DeResta will be our standby driver this weekend. Paul carried out a a seat fit at the MTC this morning in compliance with the FIA COVID-19 protocols, but will not be in close contact with the McLaren race team unless needed. Paul will continue his duties with Sky Sports F1 this weekend as planned. End quote. So uh, DeResta, you know, prior to his uh, TV... uh, um, uh, career and I, I think he does a pretty good job on uh, on Sky Sports. Uh, honestly, uh, he was uh, in Formula One uh, for three years with uh, Force India between 2011 and 2013, and then he did make a, a surprise, uh, unexpected appearance at the 2017 Hungarian Grand Prix after uh, Felipe Massa got sick on the uh, the, the Saturday of that uh, of that uh, that race. So he uh, he raced in uh, DTM after he lost his uh, Formula One drive and then uh, moved into to uh, sports car racing and is uh, actually a uh, part of the, the United Auto Sports LMP2 driver lineup in the uh, FAA World Endurance uh, Championship. So anyways, uh, it, it did come out last week that uh, Gutierrez is ineligible to race in Formula One after a racing point uh, had to, and that's part of the reason why they had to uh, call on Nico Hulkenberg to replace uh, Checo Perez and uh, racing point. Uh, they also have a, 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 a pretty similar deal in place with Mercedes uh, with the sharing of the the reserve drivers so who knows it would be uh, it would be interesting but uh, hopefully we don't see any other drivers having to pull out of Formula One uh, this weekend or the rest of the year uh, because of a, uh, a COVID uh, test so anyways uh, Mercedes uh, said that they have no plans to give uh, Esteban Gutierrez uh, any track mileage anytime in the near future uh, and this is even though that there's a new rule for 2020 uh, you know regarding these things and that uh, makes uh, Gutierrez ineligible for super license and uh, unless he gets a uh, a Formula One test under his uh, belt. So, I mean, he has been named as a reserve driver, so it's kind of strange that uh, they would, uh, you know, nominate a guy as a reserve driver but not get him the uh, the, the test or the miles that he needs to qualify for a um, uh, for a super license. And so it says, uh, anyway, so the, the rule that they have uh, uh, says that uh, drivers who had a license that, uh, for, that was over three years old and that the last time Gutierrez actually raced was with Haas back in 2016. Um, anyways, the rule states, quote, in this case, uh, the driver must be judged by the FAA to have recently and consistently demonstrated outstanding ability in single-seater formula cars. The F1 team concerned must show that the applicant has driven at least 300 kilometers in a representative F1 car consistently at racing speeds over a maximum period of two days and completed not more than 188 days prior to the application, either certified by the ASN of the country in which the test uh, took place or during an event counting towards the FAA Formula One World Championship for drivers, end quote. So, yeah, I, I think it's uh, kind of interesting that, uh, you know, the guy is uh, uh, a nominated uh, reserve driver, but uh, they're, they're not going to give him the, the, the miles that uh, they need anytime uh, soon. So, yeah, it, it is uh, strange. Anyways, uh, Total Wolf had to say, quote, I think Esteban would have been a really strong candidate uh, for the seat. And this is uh, talking about, uh, he's talking about uh, him filling in for uh, Sergio Perez last weekend. 
event. Anyways, Toto goes on to say, uh, quote, but unfortunately he didn't qualify. There's a new rule this year that if you haven't raced an F1 car in an official event for the last three years, you need to have done a test of at least 300 kilometers. Uh, that is a new rule that came into effect this year, which we didn't uh, particularly look at because we didn't think that an F1 driver that had previously had a strong record wouldn't qualify for the drive. But that was the case with Esteban, and therefore Racing Point opted for the other option. It wasn't a bad option at all for Nico Hulkenberg. We have to analyze now what it means for us. It's a shame because giving Esteban a chance is always nice, and he's been a strong part of the team and a strong pillar of the team. Obviously, I don't hope that it's ever necessarily that we need a reserve driver. If we uh, would have given him the chance, as it looks, we need to come up with another solution, end quote. So interesting uh, that, uh, that, you know, that uh, they, they he recognizes that's a, an issue, but doesn't actually want to go as far as giving him the, the, the miles he needs to qualify for a super license. Anyways, time for one final break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So Carlos Sainz says the move that Roman Grosjean put uh, on him uh, during last weekend's uh, British Grand Prix was unacceptable uh, because, uh, well, he was, certainly was not uh, very uh, happy about it. Uh, um uh, Grosjean was shown a black and white uh, flag and then uh, received a, a warning after the race and uh, this was given to him by the stewards after these uh, two controversial moves that he had first in front of Carlos Sainz and then uh, later on uh, involving uh, Danny Ricardo. Uh, Grosjean is still disputing that he did anything uh, wrong uh, when he got involved with Carlos Sainz uh, but after he looked at some of the videos he did acknowledge that uh, his uh, the movie made on Danny Rick was uh, what he called uh, marginal and uh, too late. I'm using the uh, kind of the inverted bunny ears commas uh, for, for those of you who want to visualize it. So <laughs> anyways, um, Carlos had to say, uh, quote, personally, I think it was unacceptable from the driver's point of view. When you're behind someone, it doesn't matter if you leave a gap on the right hand side as he claimed he was leaving. I think you cannot react to a movement of the driver behind you. I think you need to commit to your defense to your line and not to react to, to the driver that is coming behind. He was clearly waiting for me to make a move to cut me off the track. I think that is unacceptable. If if I have a chat, uh, I will tell him. I think uh, he will agree that if he, he would have been in my position, although he probably will not admit it in the media. But we all know what the speeds that we're doing in F1 nowadays, and he probably knows that what he did is not correct, end quote. So also after the race, uh, Ricardo said that, uh, well, he, he described Grosjean's uh, antics as sketchy. And then uh, he, when uh, he was asked uh, by the media this week, uh, you know, uh, he, he said that, uh, you know, Grosjean uh, had realized that uh, he moved uh, too late. Anyways, uh, Danny Ricardo actually said that uh, he's actually going to bring that up in the uh, the, the, the drivers' uh, meeting uh, this week. Um, you know, and uh, it, it it is interesting because you do see these things from from time to time, right? Uh, whenever something happens, and sometimes you have some of these controversial uh, track or uh, you know things happen on the track that uh, one driver takes exception with, and, and it's such a small group of guys, right? I mean, small group of there's only twenty drivers, and uh, you know it 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 just seems. I just wonder how effective it you know it's, it's going to be in the drivers meeting when it's already been out there in the media you know, a couple of days uh, previously and uh, whether or not you've had the opportunity to to talk about it with the person or not uh, that you know you go into the you know the drivers meeting and um, I don't know but uh, yeah I mean 
those uh, two incidents were not uh, the, the greatest, um, you know, examples of, uh, of driving in Formula One. But, I mean, we have to kind of look at the guy that's involved in Roman Grosjean. And uh, obviously, I think uh, there, there, there's a bit of a you know history there with some of the things that, uh, that he's done in the sports uh, over the years. Anyways, uh, some of the changes. Uh, well, let's let's switch now to uh, Ferrari. We haven't really talked about uh, them uh, too much. I mean, well, certainly haven't talked about them in any uh, positive uh, light uh, over the first uh, month of the season. Anyway, some of the changes that they may, uh, made uh, recently are going to allow team principal... Uh, uh, um, gosh, I'm... Uh, it's getting late here. <laughs> Pardon me. So some of the changes they made at uh, Ferrari lately are going to uh, allow team principal Matteo Bonato uh, to actually step back from the, the technical role that he has with the team and actually focus on the job that he has as uh, as team principal. So anyways, uh, one of the things that uh, they, they did uh, as a result of the, the very tough and bad start that they've had uh, you know, to the season uh, so far is to uh, announce a new restructuring inside of the team that included the uh, creation of a, a new performance uh, development uh, division. So the, the changes that they've actually brought in, have enacted and put in place, are actually going to allow Bonato to, uh, to to move away from actually being uh, very hands-on with the uh, you know a lot of the technical work and development so he can actually focus on his job as a team principal and, and, and do what he's supp- uh, supposed to do. Anyways, uh, Bonato had to say, uh, quote, it took some time to reorganize ourselves to make sure the technical uh, department was reorganized. It's not something you do in one day. I am able, now that I've got the, the people in the right role, having responsibilities and able to do the right job, to not do any more uh, of the technical director job. There are other people doing it. They've got clear objectives. I think they are certainly as well th- enthusiastic and focusing on the objectives they need. On my side, there are a lot of things I need to do, certainly keeping an eye and keeping them in the right position to deliver, end quote. So anyways, uh, yeah, the, it's uh, they needed to do something, right? Um uh, and and it's not just what's happening this year. I mean, last year they they were a step behind to begin with. I mean, despite the good season that uh, that that Charles Leclerc had. I mean, he had uh, definitely some very very exciting moments uh, and and did some very impressive things. But I mean, the car itself was not the greatest last year, and uh, they, they certainly were a shadow of their former selves. And I mean, I know there's uh, that the, the whole discussion about the legality of the power unit and this whole secret agreement uh, that they have as a result uh, of of what uh, that was what had been discovered and uh, you know that's some of the speculation is that whatever the issue was with the power unit whatever the changes were made are part of the reason that they are where they are right now but uh, anyways uh, the chairman of uh, Ferrari John Elkan uh, said uh, just last week that uh, that Bonato still has his uh, full uh, support for his uh, you know the, the the role that he has as team principal and Elkan himself said that uh, that he is actually not expecting the team to get get back into a, a position to win uh, regularly before uh, 2022. And, uh, you know, that uh, just kind of blows my mind. But, I mean, considering the way that they've uh, really fallen off uh, being a contender at the top of uh, Formula One to, you know, somewhere upper mid level of the grid i mean they're they're kind of fighting it out with teams like uh, mclaren now rather than uh, red bull and i mean that's not i mean i'm not taking anything uh, away from uh, M- mclaren but i mean they're still uh, you know on, on on track to getting back to where they where they want to be i mean they want to be up there at least uh, in the short term for uh, you know challenging for podiums and you know let alone uh, you know winning races but the thing is i mean uh, 2018 i mean uh, and, and 2017 and you know, even 2016 to a certain extent uh, for 
Ferrari were doing some pretty good things and winning races. I mean, they had a pretty good stretch uh, there through 2017 into 2018. And then, I mean, uh, the, the less said about uh, 2019 and, and, and definitely the less said about uh, 2020 for Ferrari, uh, the, the, the better, because uh, it's certainly, they're shadows of their, their former selves. I mean, uh, Sebastian Vettel just had a horrible weekend last week at Silverstone, uh, just uh, couldn't get anything going, couldn't get into any rhythm in the car. I mean, I think he was uh, probably, uh, you know, satisfied that uh, maybe getting at least a single point was better than nothing after what was a, a very, very difficult uh, weekend. Probably uh, benefited, obviously, from uh, some of the misfortune of guys like uh, Valtteri Bottas and, uh, and, and Carlos Sainz right at the end there. But, you know, it, it, it's kind of sad to see him tooling around where he is and, and Charles just isn't going to have an opportunity to, uh, to to win a race in normal sta- circumstances uh, this year unless uh, something drastic happens. But I don't think uh, that that's really realistic uh, to, uh, to expect. Uh, so, um, you know, they, they've even said uh, that uh, that they're not the third uh, quickest uh, car, despite all the the, the changes that they've made. And there 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 was real hope that uh, you know, despite uh, you know the issues that they've had, you know that the, the uh, you know what they've done to you know to speed up the, getting some of the upgrades on the car, they just haven't uh, delivered. And uh, well, it just. Uh, it just uh, isn't, uh, you know, where it uh, where it needs to be. And even uh, Bonato was quite f- forthcoming about that. Uh, he said, "quote uh, Certainly, we were behind Mercedes and Red Bull. I think we we're very close uh, to the others here at Sil- Silverstone. We brought a low uh, downforce package, which was worth a couple of tenths in optimizing our package. But I th- but I think it's pretty close. There will be races where we are close, and others we will eventually stay ahead. So it is our task, our duty to develop the car." End quote. So. I don't know. That seems a bit uh, optimistic. I I just don't uh, expect them uh, to really be challenging uh, for races. Uh, you know, I, I mean, their straight line speed uh, just isn't there either. And uh, it's going to be a, a long year in a, what's going to be a shorter than usual season for both uh, Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel. Anyway, Sebastian Vettel said uh, that uh, the German Siberia weather could actually impact uh, the, the Grand Prix at the Nürburgring in October. And uh, he said that uh, they got to be uh, ready for the unpredictable weather when uh, when they get there in a couple of months and um, well I mean the average temperatures in the Eiffel Mountains region where the Nürburgring is is uh, about uh, 10 degrees Celsius at that uh, time of a year uh, Vettel was uh, joking around a little bit and uh, called it uh, German Siberia and uh, said it's going to be a, a very challenging uh, part of the race weekend there I mean I, I went there you know 20 years ago in uh, well almost 20 years ago in, in 2001 for the European Grand Prix. That was in the middle of the summer. It was scorching hot. It was beautiful. The The, the whole weekend was uh, fantastic. And uh, it's, it's going to be a completely different thing when the, when they get there in October. And I think the unpredictability about uh, that uh, could make for some exciting uh, racing. So we'll, we'll wait and see. Anyways, uh, Seb had to say, quote, we can expect anything. We can expect, uh, if we are lucky, 20 degrees, but it could uh, also be close to zero. So it'll be a challenge nevertheless. I think it is a great track and I have good memories. Last time we were there, I won so I'm looking forward to going back. It is a really interesting and nice track to drive, and with these cars especially, it should be a lot of fun. I think the weather will play a role, and it could be a surprise if it didn't, end quote. So there you go. Um, just talking about one of the the other tracks uh, that's on the schedule uh, for this year, and that's uh, uh, Imola for the... Uh, the, uh, uh, that's coming up in well about three months from now and uh, that's going well right uh, it's Halloween weekend just looking at the, the calendar here on the 31st of October 
Anyways, Max Verstappen, who is uh, never afraid uh, or shy to call a spade a spade, said it's, quote, a bit stupid uh, for Formula One to only have one practice session when they get to Imola in a couple of months. So, well, yeah, it is interesting. It's just going to be, you know, it gives them uh, two sessions to get things uh, sorted out. Max had to say, quote, if we had it on the track uh, that we know and we have been driving uh, with the cars we have nowadays, I think it's not a problem at all. At the end, it's the same for everyone. So there's no problem with that. But I just think it's a bit wrong. It gives us two sessions to sort things out. Just make sure everything is working well instead of just one session. The two-day format, I don't really care. But then give us two practice sessions. Even better to do two one-hour sessions than one and a half. I think it's a bit stupid, end quote. Well, we'll see how the format works. Uh, Certainly, you know, the uh, uh, two-day format is uh, different than uh, we usually see with uh, free practice on Friday, qualifying Saturday, and the race on uh, on Sunday. But uh, who knows? That's uh, maybe not uh, necessarily a bad thing. But, uh, you know, only time will tell. And, uh, you know, we'll have to revisit uh, this uh, this conversation in uh, in three months and see whether or not uh, it, it worked out. Anyways, uh, FIA President Jean Tote said that uh, Formula One is uh, working on uh, the provisional calendar for 2021, uh, but they have to remain uh, flexible just in case there are other future waves of uh, you know COVID-19 around the, uh, the the world. And obviously, this year, I think we got what uh, 13 races uh, confirmed, and uh, probably a, a couple more to, to come with uh, Bahrain and uh, and Abu Dhabi. Perhaps uh, maybe even uh, Malaysia and uh, and Vietnam are going to go ahead as well. So I mean, we, we could get up to that uh, that that 15 to 18 uh, race uh, calendar like, like they, uh, they 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 wanted. I mean, it's uh, it, it's amazing that they actually um, got the season and, and confirmed more races and added uh, you know you know Nurburgring, uh, Portimao. And then also uh, Imola, I think is really cool. And then also, uh, you know, managed to get some of these races uh, that, you know, keep some of these races in uh, in, in the time slots that they're, they're, they're supposed to be in. Um, anyways, uh, Jean Todt had to say uh, there's reciprocation, the role between Formula One and the FAA, the commercial rights holder and the regulator and legislator. For the promoter, it's working on the calendar, which is then submitted to the FAA. So far, the promoter is working on, I would say, a standard calendar, but knowing uh, we, that we don't know if a standard calendar would uh, would work. It's very much dependent on the member states' positions. You may have one event on the calendar, but you may have the country who consider no sporting events can be hosted or consider quarantine will be obliged if you arrive in the country or if you come back to a country. Clearly, I'm convinced that the 2021 championship, I mean more globally than Formula One, will be able to be uh, creative and flexible because unfortunately, but that's uh, my belief, we will not be over with the pandemic, end quote. Yeah, I mean that that certainly seems uh, that uh, it's it's not going to go away uh, anytime soon and they they have to uh be uh you know have to maybe be as uh in you know uh, flexible and show a lot of ingenuity. I mean, I have to give them a lot of props uh, for for getting the schedule sorted out uh, the the way that uh, that they've got this uh, season up and running and going. And John Toad actually had to go on that uh, they have set uh, what he calls a global example for other sports uh, the way that they came back uh, to racing after it was uh, initially canceled because of the uh, uh, you know, the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, anyways, uh, uh, Jean Todt had to say he's very proud how uh, Formula One has, uh, you know, has come back and has been a very good example to other sports and racing series and staging uh, international uh, events. Anyways, uh, Todt had to say, quote, the easy decision was to wait till things got better and we don't know when it will get better. Formula One was the first international series to start again with very strict protocols. It has been a global example of the motivation, of motivation and engagement to restart racing. I read comments that uh, you do that 
that for money. For me, it's wrong. You do that because life has to go back to as much as possible to normal, taking into consideration that the virus is there. It has been the the life before, which we all know. Nobody was predicting that we could live this uh, kind of situation. Now we have to learn to live with the virus, end quote. And I agree. Yeah, it's, it, the, the closer we can get back to, to, to normal, the better. And uh, who knows how long this thing's going to go. And it just seems to drag on and on and on and on. Hopefully sooner rather than later, we will have a treatment or a vaccine or whatever for COVID or the damn thing just uh, goes away and we can go back to the way that life was. Anyways, I'm going to leave it right there. Time to wrap it up. Hope you guys uh, enjoy the race uh, this weekend. Certainly, uh, it's uh, it's fun to be back racing. Uh, very grateful and uh, really looking forward to the 70th anniversary Grand Prix myself uh, this weekend. Hopefully, uh, a little bit uh, more action compared to what we saw last week. Anyways, uh, before I go, once again, uh, thank you very much for downloading and listening to the show, for the kind comments and reviews. And that certainly is the best way to uh, support the show. And if so, always, if you want to get in touch with any feedback or comments or you just want to reach out and say hi, best way to do so is on Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod or send me an email at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. And that's it. Enjoy the Grand Prix. We'll be back in a couple days to wrap that one up. And until then, have a great F1 and talk to you guys soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.